Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 91 for Tuesday, January 12th, 2021. I'm Alex Uwe here today with Forbode Mercazi and Ray Estrada. How you guys doing? Good. I'm here. Forbode's <laughs> here. Forbode, you're the, you're the one nowadays that always keeps me on my toes with whatever you answer. Because... I'm doing great. Yeah, wait, there you go. Wait, wait, wait. I, I realize after our last conversation, not recorded, that you really want to know how you're doing. Uh, so I, I want to ask how you're doing. Oh, I'm doing well. Uh, you know, we uh, we are we are uh, rolling rolling right now. We have been talking for like an hour leading up to this. Um, so so I've already got the juices flowing. The sports talk is is ready to go. So I figure why not why not start recording? We'll uh, we'll capture some of this and and make it so other people can listen to it. So uh, yeah, we got some fresh baseball news to talk about to uh, to start the new fresh, year. Fresh. Yeah, this is well technically. Do we, we have did... a breaking news soundbite? No, we don't. But we do have some really really fresh breaking news, uh, which I suppose we can start with that actually. So the Chicago White Sox uh, made a splash just on this very night that we're recording. They signed Liam Hendricks, the top relief pitcher in baseball right now, probably definitely the top free agent reliever, uh, to a three-year, $54 million contract, which is essentially a four-year, $54 million contract because the fourth year is a team option where he's guaranteed the $15 million either way. Uh, whether he plays for them or whether uh, he's bought out. So basically, the fourth year salary is fifteen million. The buyout is fifteen million. Yeah. So if you think of it as three years, thirty nine million over those first three years, and then fifteen million, uh, regardless of whether or not the team picks up his option. We good? It's yeah, not. It that wasn't too man. confusing. I don't think. Good uh, for him, no. man. Yeah. Uh... He, he, this guy's had one of the there's a lot of guys ra- around the league that you are inspired by their story of like pushing get, getting to the big leagues and succeeding and he is one of them um just his journey overall to getting to the point where he is now so whatever people think of him as a pitcher i know he's a great pitcher but good for him got the bag great pitcher yeah yeah is this the biggest contract uh for an Australian MLB player? Probably. I can't think of anybody else who uh who just gotten higher at this point, so that's another pretty cool thing. Uh which I'm surprised hasn't been reported about more in like the, the short headlines if it uh if it is a thing. It's a fun little note. Um Did Grant Balfour get a higher contract? More than fifty four million? I don't think so. I don't think Balfour got anything that big. No. But yeah, there, this is not the the first relief pitcher contract of this size. There's been bigger ones uh, with proven closers and relievers before. Uh, but, you know, that's good money, especially considering the landscape of this this offseason and, uh, and just how slow everything's been going, how, how the teams seem to be uh, drawing things out. So the White Sox already had a really good bullpen. They, they bolster that even further. Uh, he will close for them, almost certainly. So there's there's no doubt about that. If you're curious there, and like I had mentioned, 
uh, at least according to MLB Network, uh, which is by no means the uh, the <laughs> the end all be all on these matters. But he is the top relief pitcher right now uh, on their series that they just started up uh, today, actually too. So good timing on that on that front. I I think there's yes. not not too much to contend there. He has been lights out the last two seasons and you know the a's and considering the a's yeah the a's have a have a uh a tradition almost of having really great seasons from out of nowhere relievers or closers more specifically and then the following season somehow completely fall apart and and bring in a new random closer to get the job done but uh he he's he just came back out here and absolutely shoved uh, second year and, and earn himself a contract so it's a good way to to start 2021 for him and a good way for us to start our show off we we will get to the the big headliner uh, that happened last week uh in in just a sec i, I want to save it uh because that probably will take up in it yep i'm gonna make you wait for it but I, but i want to uh to talk about a a, a different kind of discussion than we've had uh before it's not free agency or offseason related but just about the uh the nfl playoffs actually and their recent nickelodeon game broadcast that they had i i was not really sure what was going on when i heard about that i didn't <laughs> know about it until the day it was happening and uh apparently it was uh it was a big hit it was it was well liked by all. I actually don't. I haven't. I don't know how how well liked it was by kids. I haven't spoken to any children who have watched this thing. That's probably the target <laughs> demographic. But amongst <laughs> fan communities that I'm a part of, and, and you know, pe- internet peers, uh, they they seem to to enjoy it to thoroughly enjoy the uh, the animations over the the game uh, the game feed and the slightly more. Uh, uh you know for kids version of of the the commentary so uh i i wanted to ask you guys how how you thought about it because i i know both of you at least for some amount of the uh the game had watched the nickelodeon feed and i'll I'll ask you first farbode okay so i i both loved it and hated it um i i i don't know how to exactly explain so i really like the fact that the NFL is trying something different and the fact that they are trying to bring in a whole new crowd of a a new generation to the sport, essentially. Um, And this was a fun, nice way to bring them in. The commentary was, was like mostly kid friendly, except some uh, obscene words being heard because of the lack of fans. Um, But I don't know. I, I, I really thought it was a good thing for the sport. Um, trying to bring in that new fans and everything. Part of it was very cringeworthy, though. Uh, I, I, I felt really old when they brought up Drake, Drake and Josh. I felt um, <laughs> you are old. Yeah, I, I, I thought the fact that they gave the losing QB the Nickelodeon valuable player re- was really weird. Um, like a, a lot of the stuff was just odd, and I personally. I switched back and forth from the real, from not the real, from the um, other coverage to the Nickelodeon coverage because 
part of me wanted to just watch a regular football game. Part of me wanted to see see what this whole new thing was about. Um, I also di- disagree. I don't know. I don't think it was generally well liked by everyone. It definitely got its fair share of just jokes and people memeing it, making fun of it afterwards, especially on Twitter. Um, but I think overall it has a good concept and good intentions. And when you're talking about baseball and football, those are two sports who are falling behind, let's say, where the NBA is in attracting the next generation of fans, making it, making their sports both look fun and understandable. And I think baseball has an opportunity to kind of not necessarily go on Nickelodeon, but find ways to bring in a new generation of fans by explaining to them the ins and outs of games. I mean, I, I thought it was really funny watching young Sheldon explain what a holding call is. And baseball, baseball to me really is a game that if a person doesn't really know what's going on, they'll, they'll turn, they'll flip off the channel and never really think about the sport again. So if you, if there's a way to explain like the, the, little rules that are going on um, in a fun, child-friendly, kid-friendly, family-friendly way. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's a, that's a good segue into the baseball side of the conversation, too. Um, oh, I thought you already asked about that. Sorry, no, I just, I, I, just asked, my... I just asked what you thought of the, uh, of the NFL game. But, no, that def- that's definitely the next natural thought well, with me and with, with us thinking baseball all the time is is how does this look for a baseball game in a, in a baseball landscape and uh i guess i i'll ask you ray what uh what you would expect from something like that or uh, or just generally like how you thought this uh this concept played out uh, this past weekend in the nfl um i thought it was executed pretty well i i think when you put <clears throat> When you put, uh, you know, children on live TV at a sporting event, which none of them seem super familiar with. I mean, I wouldn't imagine these kids are child actors. That I'm sure their lives are pretty dominated by that. Um, you know, you have your silent reporter say Mitchell Trubisky um, at the end of the game. But um, I, I thought it worked. It it, it really was a, a good idea to put, you know, Nate Burleson a a very good analyst, but also, you know, a guy who knows how to have some fun, uh, is your color guy, Noah Eagle, uh, son of a very prolific football announcer, Ian Eagle. He calls the Clippers, uh, radio, uh, games. Um, and then, yeah, I, I thought it served its purpose. I don't, I don't know what people were expecting, like a truly like good football, like watching experience. Like it was, it, I'm sure it was fun for kids and still explain the game well in terms of baseball i think you need to find that 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 analyst and, and color person who can just watch a game pretty casually but still have good knowledge about it and understand that who they're watching with don't really know the game and try to get them excited about it and explain the game to them and then also to the general audience mm-hmm. um I, I don't know how feasible this is but i would love it i think if at least color commentators were MLB players. Like, well-known. Like, Fernando Tatis was a color commentator on one game, and he, or Mike Trout or uh, Cody Bellinger or something. I think putting a face to the sport in the commentary also would, would help this style a lot. And that, that, that would also be fun for the kids. 
Yeah, I mean, if I, if MLB's yeah. slapping slapping on field mics on these uh on these guys anyway, might as well ask them some more fun questions than like, what's the clubhouse been like when you're winning? Oh, it, it's fun. Like, yeah, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but uh, how much well, you like playing I mean, this guy? How much you like playing behind this guy on the mound? Oh, he's he's good. Yeah. Really good. It gives us a great chance to win. <laughs> yeah, more so like if. If, like, let's say the Dodgers are playing a spring training game and Cody Bellinger is not in the lineup, put him up in the broadcast booth. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I don't think this is going to work for a spring training game or even a regular season game. I think this would work really well for, say, a wild card game. Yes, you know, yes, like yes. A dot game that w- with some stakes to it, get people excited. Mm, um, yes, I, yes. I mean, the guy who comes to mind for me, uh, who's kind of relatively new to broadcasting, but he's proven to be a very good, fun guy, Curtis Granderson might be an interesting uh, option yeah. to throw in the booth for it. For that, I don't know. Yeah, who, get him in there. Like so much fun like that. Somebody who doesn't take themselves too seriously. It's it, but there's also still knowledgeable about the game. It's not, you know, it's total just like, um, like kid fest or whatever. Like it's it's informative and fun and like watchable for somebody our age for at least a little bit before. You, know, you, you don't you don't want to dumb down the you don't no. want to dumb down the commentary. You want to make it you want to present the commentary and the rules and the technical aspects of the sport in a in an understandable way for everyone to understand. Um, because I think if you dumb dumb it down, then I mean people who even are watching it with their kids would be like, "Man, this is stupid. We're going to go on a different channel." Um, I don't know. I think baseball definitely has a lot of different ways they could kind of steal this from the nfl and make it their own but uh definitely getting fans i think curtis granderson would be great but i think the reason i i i'm gonna go back to this like what if you do have an all all player former player broadcast booth like curtis granderson uh, play caller and then a player or something uh like a player of sort as, as a color guy i think that that would be just really fun for and put the face. Yeah, I I, I think sport. you want some experience to keep that professionalism because yeah. if you have a player who's doing it for the first time, then I think that's gonna lose a little bit. Like he could be good, but like you you have to have some established like no, these guys are good at what they're doing, so they can shift a little bit to the audience that they're playing to. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm Nick, sorry for but it's just not feasible. So you- no, Nickelodeon had three people. They could have a third person there. No, it, well, it, you, I'm guy, saying sticking the third, the sticking a player. For the NFL game as a kid, though. Mm. I'm just saying sticking a player in in a broadcast booth isn't feasible. Like they have, yeah. There's a it's a lot more difficult than just sitting in the booth and talking. Um, but they do that already. They do player interviews and manager interviews all the time on real broadcast and ask insightful questions or they try to um and have fun with yeah. it so i like, mean adam that's already there last year when he when he called the uh when he called the lds of marlins braves he was solid i thought okay. yeah uh, and of course if if the right player exists for it then by all means give it a go but just like taking the the star of that team and, and sticking him in a booth like i don't i don't get it uh well yeah I, you can't get is... those kids secondhand high with cody bellinger up there just can't this <laughs> wow <laughs> Um, yeah, we've strayed thing. we've strayed really far from the the main part of the question uh is like what, is, what does this look like for baseball and we kind of strayed very far from that um but yeah the the, the main thing is it's all about the audience of any given game and you're gonna have a difficult time no matter what it is whether it's sports or music or whatever when you're mixing kids stuff with with adult stuff 
like in in the cringe factor will always be there you you just have to strike a balance because the audiences are so so widely different and i think when it is a situation like this where it is just a uh a very rare and an isolated occurrence and more of a spectacle really um you know you go all in and, and have as much fun with it as possible and, and make it enticing in ways that don't necessarily have to focus on on what's happening on the field because um you know if if what's happening on the field were enough to to excite people to excite every kid that that's watching then then you wouldn't need to, to do anything differently to begin with so uh you know go ahead and go ahead and keep spraying virtual slime on on the players and and doing all doing all the the fun little like animations and and have some fun with the uh the commentary too like that's that's the hope that's the ho the hope is that major league baseball can look at what the nfl was trying to do and um and keep having creative sim similarly creative ideas that engage new audiences rather than just the same like trying to find more ways to engage the audiences it already has um i appreciate it but also like you know do do something for someone else if you if you do if you don't mind uh okay that's enough of of that i i really don't know where we where we ended up on on that but uh that was something unique that i wanted to discuss let's it's talk something about something mlb should definitely try but i think we all know deep down they, they'll mess it up or just not even try it they'll mess it up no i think they'll try it It'll this this current mate in this current mlb regime is is a lot of things but they are they are not reluctant to try new things that's that's one thing they i are not. and they're they're on field player interviews they're like micing the players up oh in spring training has been great i think fans have loved it but why not make it more throughout the season and stuff like that so yeah they, they overset their boundary in the playoffs that yeah there, there's reason the dodgers shut that down in the first game of the wild card <laughs> series yeah there's a time and place for sure yeah all right we have gone almost 20 minutes and haven't talked about francisco Lindor yet so let's do that now and for the remainder of whatever we're talking about today the mets are continuing their headline dominated offseason they traded for Francisco Lindor, who is not surprisingly moved from the Indians with one year left of arbitration and an incredibly cheap Indians team. The Mets receive not only Francisco Lindor, but Carlos Carrasco also added a really, really solid starting pitcher. And they, in exchange, gave up Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez, and two prospects, Josh Wolf and Isaiah Green. So, I guess I guess bye to those players when you when you're bringing in Lindor and Carrasco. It's like you're you're not really feeling that one too much, you know. Uh, <laughs> the Indians seem, at a first glance, to to come out pretty pretty poorly in this deal, considering it is just a salary dump. Um, Andres Jimenez is maybe the most high upside player in this in this deal. But even then, uh, a little a little underwhelming considering Francisco Lindor is one of the best shortstops in baseball. Uh, in the rest of the context, so like I mentioned, Lindor is one year left of arbitration and then will be a free agent 
next offseason, Carlos Carrasco has two years left on his current contract uh, for $27 million. And that that leaves the Mets not, you know, they, they got plenty of room to work with still. And the Indians, on the other side of things, are estimated now to have like a $40 million payroll for next season. So that's all the details. Those yeah. are the numbers out there. Let's let's get into it, and I'll, I'll ask you first, Farbode. I guess the, um, the question is, like, what... Let's focus on what? the Mets versus what? the Indians. <laughs> the, the question yeah, is... I mean, I... The question is, like, like where, like, what will the Mets with Lindor look like, really? I think offensively they're pretty set. I mean, you you have the Pete Alonso. Like, their infield is already pretty damn solid. Alonzo, McNeil, Lindor, uh, who plays third. Uh, like, Jay Davis. And then their outfield is, is, is getting there, and it's pretty solid as well. I mean, like, they're overall, they're they're. All, Offensively, this is going to be a very good like offensive ball club. I think one of the things that we didn't up oh, for about cut out. That's not great. Oh, I thought it was my internet. Nope. Uh, Ray, do you want to? Oh, it might have been mine. It, it, my it, back. It was yours. <laughs> yes, you're back. Oh, my bad. Um, so wherever wherever I was, I think uh, one of the things we didn't know about what with the Mets rotation was how but sorry that threw me off one of the things that we didn't know that we were going to say about the Mets right now was how they might need some rotation help I mean I think Carrasco was a great get having Stroman, DeGrom, Carrasco that's great I know Seth Lugo wants to go back to the bullpen I don't think he wants to start Um, I mean that's just based off of reports that I've that we've all heard and seen um and then, so the questions here are: Do you go out and get someone else? Uh, do they are they still have about thirty million dollars below the luxury tax if they want to go out and, and sign a top tier pitcher, top tier anyone else? Um, is Stephen Matz going to uh, find find how to kind of like revitalize his career? Is David Peterson going to be the same guy or even better than? He, is he going to be able to continue what he did in twenty twenty? Um, they have a pretty solid first three guys, if you include Pearson four. They do have some question marks in the rotation. Um, and, and then, then I mean, the bullpen. They're going to get Syndergaard back in the middle of the year. Yes, yes. So they're going to get Syndergaard back. So that's going to be a big help. So, I mean, they technically don't have to go out and get another pitcher. They can roll with what they, what they have so far. But knowing <laughs> the, what we know about the Steve Cohen Mets. Um, I think they will still try to find ways to go out and other starting pitcher or find a bullpen piece um, because they did they had some bullpen issues last year. Trevor they brought in Trevor to um, kind of shore that up a little bit, so that that's a good move. I mean, this team's going to be good. It it just they they have a couple more. I'm not a betting man. I don't know if they were if they're going to go out and spend that $30 million because I think they do have some guys, namely Lindor, that they're going to want to lock up and add, and which is going to add to their um, to their total salaries and to their payroll in the coming years uh, if they choose to extend him. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's, that's pretty much 
all of it. That's that's where the Mets stand. <laughs> and to simplify things, they're a good team now. They're a really good team. They don't have to do anything, but they probably will because the Mets have talked a lot about trying to improve everywhere they can and not letting money be a a limiting factor for them. And their payroll is not overly... It's, you know they're not they're not top of the MLB or anything like that right now uh at least I don't think they are even after this trade so they got they got some no room to they play have with. 30 million dollars to spare yeah thanks Robinson Cano uh, so that <laughs> yeah so that exactly so that's that's going to be like mo- what people are thinking that's either gonna be Bauer or Springer but I mean they have they, they have opportunities to go out and make their team even better mm-hmm. And uh, I'll, I'll ask you, Ray, about the the other side of things with the Indians and their uh, and their forty million dollar payroll. What do they do now? What like what? Mike Trout almost makes as much as that. It's true. What what's the next move for for a team like this who's traded away nearly everybody in the last calendar year? I mean, I don't know how you continue to expect to be good if you just keep shedding pieces and 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 getting basically nothing in return. You have two, you know, halfway decent prospects. I think they're both young guys. Ahmed Rosario, who's, you know, is basically a one-for-one shortstop swap. Ahmed Rosario is clearly inferior to Francis Lindor. Jimenez has, you know, you mentioned some upside, but to give up Carrasco and Lindor for that when... You have some pretty interesting Mets prospects that you probably could have gotten one, one or two more of if you don't want to spend money. Um, at least build your future. Uh, now, like, I mean, I don't know how they expect to contend in in the AL Central with you know we mentioned the White Sox signing Hendricks today. Um, other teams, you know, the Twins are still there. It's it's gonna be a. I mean, I. I in a way, it's like after their 1990s kind of success, they kind of just cleared everything, and they were kind of you know mediocre for a few years, and then had a couple other runs. But they, it kind of sad seeing them not want to spend money on, on guys like Lindor and and you know even Carrasco and getting back basically pennies just to get rid of uh, salary. Well, what we've seen with the Indians isn't that they don't want to spend. Like we've seen other teams say, we don't want to. Spend by this guy we're, we're going to trade him or we don't want to extend this guy we don't want to we don't want that on our payroll we're going to trade him away we've seen teams do that but the indians are literally are literally putting themselves through a we don't want to spend anything we don't have to spend like we're gonna it feels like they're just trying to fill out their roster with as many major league minimum guys as they can and jose ramirez um like that's what it feels like so it's kind of interesting seeing the two teams that are involved in this trade, one of them being the Mets who have come out saying money's not a problem. We're, we're going to do whatever we can to make the Mets good. And then the Indians basically saying we're going to make our salary. We're going to, we're, we're going to make our payroll about what Mike Trout makes every year. The, this, this coming year. Mm-hmm. And the Indians, you know, what are they thinking is they're thinking they're just going to be like the Rays basically, and, and try to field a competitive team by spending as little as possible and by constantly turning over their roster 
to replenish their their farm system where which is honestly where they thrive in developing pitching and in developing talent through they have those, the pitching. through those channels yeah and you, you see it with they have the cheap pitching for it their yeah. current top of the rotation Cy Young winner who kind of came out of nowhere and you know Zach Plezak even uh last season coming out of nowhere and they just keep doing it uh it is still uh, sad if to be fans of them in 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 some ways the Rays as well for that reason is you can't can't latch on to your favorite players you can't latch on to your guys that are that are going to take you think, to the playoffs. I think as a Rays fan, though, they've had this proven track record of doing this and being successful at it. Um, I I don't think any of us really bat an eye when the Rays, when a young Rays pitcher or young Rays player is on. But, it, but at least, I don't know about you guys, maybe I'm just in the minority here. But it just shocked me how the Indians' number one goal this offseason, at least to me, seemed like we're trying to shed as much as we can, as much salary as we can, or as much future like expenses as we can, um, but still try to put a put put the put nine guys out there on the field. Um, like they they'll have the pitching, they'll have the young pitchers on uh, the major league minimum. But it, it's just, you bring up the Rays and say, like, they're trying to become the Rays. I don't know. I have to see them making those moves to become the Rays and getting, like, being that competitive, sabermetrically run outside of just having that pitching development. This team never spends money. It's not new. It's it's just how they are. That's the model that they've gone with. So, you know, it is what no, it is. I, 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 I... I, I know. The only comment I'm trying to make is that you like it's sad, but it's like I think for Indians fans, this is more of a sign of like, oh, they're not trying to be good for years to come. Whereas when the Rays are doing it, it's more so, oh, they're revitalized, they're retooling, re- they're replenishing with what they can, um, something that they can afford. Well, I mean, I'm not a Rays fan. I don't know. I don't know how they react when guys like like David Price get traded or, you know. Chris, well, the Chris Archer one, you know, he he went out the door at at a career low, seemingly. So maybe not. And and the return was uh, fantastic. Ended up being fantastic, yeah. But you know, for the most part, you know, seeing Evan Longoria go, like seeing seeing your favorite players constantly cir- like cycling out of there, um, it, it it probably gets old. I don't know. It's just speculation. It's definitely a bummer, and you can't really go out there and buy a specific guy's jersey if you're a Rays fan. Because you know he's probably not going to be on the Rays for the next like however many years, but I at least I mean as a baseball fan I appreciate their model and their consistency in like doing what they're doing. I I I, I guess I'm just upset. I'm uh, not upset. I'm just confused at how the Indians. I don't even know what to say. All right. Uh, my word, yeah, words have slipped my brain. It's late. There aren't there aren't many more words. I think we've said a lot of words. Do you have any more words, Ray? Or are yes. we uh, we wrapping it up? Uh, no, I'm good. I've said as many <laughs> words as I probably can. Yeah, good uh, for the Mets. Yes, we'll we'll see what else they do. I I don't think they're done. Uh, the one uh, the one thing I'll say about the Mets is health is going to be a huge factor. This team 
has been built good for the last couple of years. Just injuries have just ravaged them. So if they can stay healthy, they they are they are really well built. Definitely. Yes. Same for same goes for everybody out there. Have a healthy season. All right, that is it for us today. We'll be back pretty much every week. We're 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 gonna shoot for the weekly schedule, and we'll see how well we do to start off twenty twenty. This is where you jinx him. We just don't record next week. Hey, I'm I'm here. If you guys if you guys want to join me, then then <laughs> I'm here. All right. Uh, thanks everybody for sticking around. If you did make it this far, make sure to rate, comment, and subscribe to our podcast, and uh, let us know what you thought about it. Let us know, uh, you know, what the Mets should be doing or what the Indians should be doing. Tell us tell us what we don't know, and uh, make sure you check out our website, beattheshiftbaseball.com. Got articles, podcasts, everything's there. And follow us on social media at BeatTheShiftBP on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All right, that is it for today. Thank you, everybody. One last time. As always, Farbode. Peace. <laughs>